And this is Rob. You're listening to Frontier. We are bringing you episode four amidst the COVID pandemic, and we are practicing our social distancing. You may notice that we sound different as, uh, where are you right now? What city? I, I am in Northeast Ohio at my parents' house. Okay, and yeah, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, so we're doing this via FaceTime, so recording audio may be a little bit different. Uh, bear with us as we, as we wanted to still produce this and get this out to you all. On this episode, episode four of Frontier, we are talking about auditions. We're going to talk about how to decide where's the best place for you to audition. We're going to talk about working up the nerve to get there, what, what the staff is looking for, and how to prepare for those specific things. And we'll talk a little bit about video auditions uh, and the difference between video and live auditions. In our first chunk, we're going to conquer picking the correct group and then mentally preparing yourself for that group. Ryan, what are your thoughts on how should a student, high school or whatever, think about where they're going to go to audition for indoor or outdoor? I think the biggest thing that a student has to do is ask for honest feedback from their instructor, their mentor, somebody they trust, that kind of thing. Because we all... I think everybody has a grander picture of themselves uh, than sometimes they want to believe. So the first thing is going and asking for honest feedback uh, and then realizing that there's more, there's more opportunities outside of just the top 12 of any given activity or outside of world class, what do you- in both indoor and, and outdoor. So what do you have to gain from auditioning at like a not top 12 versus a top 12? The biggest thing is experience. If your goal is to eventually make a top 12 core and or, or indoor group and you're not at that level yet, the, big, the best way to get there is by experiencing those things. And, and you still get a world-class experience at A-class groups or open-class groups or lower world-class groups. It's just the biggest difference usually is the difficulty of the material the, the, and maybe the clarity of the achievement of the group, but you're still getting the same experience. You're still playing a lot. So that's the biggest thing that you have to gain is you're, you're gaining you know, more endurance, you're gaining more strength, you're gaining experience that will help you build up to that world-class group that you want to make. Any high schooler, I know that I was ready to, I thought I was going to go on an audition for like a top five group when I was like a sophomore in high school and looking back on it, how silly. And I really had to rid myself of um, preconceived notions that I was ready for things like that. But I just assumed that I was capable because I was a big fish in a small pond and maybe Ryan can relate. I don't know. Um, he's not. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So taking being able to take what your teacher says honestly like taking their honest feedback and not being offended by it but looking at it as like a place to start it shows you your potential and where to go from there beyond skill level you got to look at proximity if you are an east coaster trying to march blue devils it's going to cost you seven or eight round trip plane tickets out to california in order to be a part of that group so being able to find groups that are near you is largely important unless you can afford that you Which, know and, and i know i know but there, <laughs> there are people that you know if their goal is to march 
somewhere on the West Coast, they're going to make it happen. And, and that's awesome for those people. But I would say for, you know, the 90% majority, yeah, we're looking for a closer proximity, something that we can afford to drive to to help us save up for those tour fees, which are, you know, for some groups getting up in the four or $5,000 range. So you pick your group. You've decided on something that's near you. Say it's open class, world class, whatever. So like beyond proximity, what you can afford, what's your next step, Ryan? What do you think? I would do some research into uh, the staff at any given group, whether it be um, whether it be trying to learn from somebody that taught a teacher that I am currently learning from or whether that's a staff member or somebody that I want to learn from, but doing a little bit of research on staff at any given group. If you have, you know, a dream group in mind, and, and we've, we've said drum corps a couple times, but this is for indoor as well. If you have a dream group that you have in mind, but you know that you're maybe not at that level to get into that group, doing some research in terms of staff members of seeing who marched that group will go a long way to making sure that you're taking the right steps. So you're saying like if you if your end game is to march Blue Devils, maybe find a group that there's a Blue Devil teaching your section. The other thing you can do is just watch videos. If you don't have a certain staff member that you want to learn from, but you just like the vibe of a group or multiple groups, just watch a video. See what kind of group that you will identify the most with. And now nowadays... Most groups have an identity that they try to use in their show design or guides their show design and guides their staff selections. So if you have a certain group that you identify with, if you watch videos and you're like, man, I really like, you know, what blah, blah, blah group from Timbuktu is doing, then go audition for blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know? totally. So like, you know, just I, I know that we were like, hey, we're audition for anything. But like the easy comparisons would be like Phantom Regiment always had a lot of classical music. Um, same sort of deal with Santa Clara Vanguard. Meanwhile, the Blue Coats or Blue Devils were always doing something more popish, something more jazzish and uh, swing. So and then being able to, you know, thinking about a show that you can see yourself in, uh, something you're going to be interested in learning, uh, for, learning for a, a long time. Uh, something that's going to keep your interest is really important. Yeah, if you're going to commit months to doing, to giving up every weekend for the indoor activity or literally giving up your entire summer, you probably want to and need to enjoy what you're going to be spending all of your time on. So you've, let's say you've picked a group. You've picked the, um, <clears throat> the Timbuktu Torrance um, and they you know, their identity fits you and you're excited about it. Next, you got to like, you got to, you got to prepare yourself for it. Because when you decide to do it, you got to go for it. There are 100 million different reasons that you can talk yourself out of auditioning. And there's a, there's a book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks about this wonderfully, how there's so much resistance that just like for, comes from inner fear that will keep you from achieving your goals, keep you from practicing. And so you kind of have to convince yourself, Ryan, Ryan said this earlier, you got to really convince yourself that this is something that you want to do uh, in order to become mentally prepared. Yes. And beyond that, the biggest thing is you just got to go. The 
the biggest reason people get cut from drum corps and indoor is they cut themselves. They never show up to audition. I can't tell you, uh, you know, bringing my experience in it from from teaching Matrix. I can't tell you how many kids sign up for the packet and and like message me about how excited they are to come and whatnot, and will even message me questions about like how do I work on this, how do I work on that, and then just never show up. Crazy like, man, man! You spent all this money, you know, and and indoor, like everyone's in the proximity, or at least willing to drive or willing to move their life to where they're going to go. Like you spent this money, why, why not just come out? And the the I think the biggest thing we got to that members potential members have to realize is that these auditions are not scary. This is not an orchestral audition where you walk in, play your excerpts, and the first mistake you make, they'll just cut you off and send you out of the not that way at all. Yeah, not that way at no. all. The other thing to talk about this year, this is pertaining to indoor and uh, DCI to drum corps, is we've just obviously had our summer of COVID, which cut our WGI season short, which eliminated our drum corps. And as we all are aware by now, age outs get the you know bonus year, if you want to call it that, in 2021. Um, and, and every group is going to handle that situation differently, but I would tell you and the, everyone that's auditioning is you still just got to go. Even if, you know, a core decides we're going to roll all of our contracts from 2020 or an indoor group decides they're going to roll all their contracts over from 2020 to 2021, life happens. You know, people get jobs, people have to move on to life beyond drumline, life beyond front ensembling. Um, and there will be positions open. So oh, don't let a fear of that keep you from going. I remember when I was marching, kids would leave the group for any reason during move-ins. It was something like, well, I think I'd rather spend the spend the summer with my girlfriend than do this. Or like, you know, like literally it seemed like they could, they could fish out any excuse not to do it. Kids drop all the time. Like you... You've always got a chance. The only time you don't have a chance is when you don't audition. Absolutely. Go even if you don't think that you have a chance of making it because that gets your face in front of the staff. And it lets you learn if your goal, again, is uh, – I think we call them the Timbuktu Torrents. If your goal is to make the Timbuktu Torrents, go, go get your face in front of them. Let them know that you're there to learn. Show them what you're about. Show them that you're capable of learning. Show them all that stuff about you. And then then take your lumps, get cut. Go back the next year. Chances are you're, they're going to ask you about yourself. You're going to say, hey, I, I auditioned last year. They're going to go, oh, man, this kid's improved a lot. I've watched kids come back, get cut from a group two, three times, and then that third or fourth year finally make that group. And it's totally worth it as a staff member to watch that kid get cut, come back, get cut again, come back, and then that third third chance be able to shake their hand and say congratulations. Because you know at that point as a staff member that they've put in that work, and you know at that point as a member like you just achieved a dream that has a cap on when you can achieve it. Because once you hit that age-out rule, you're done. There's no more dream. So if your dream is to march somewhere, just go. Just go and audition. And if you get cut, go back the next year. Go back till you make it or go back till, you know, you get old and decrepit. Yeah. 
so Rob, you finally decided where you want to audition. Uh, the Timbuktu Mighty Warriors are your go-to group. What are some things that you think the staff will look for? And how can a potential member and a potential auditionee prepare for those specific things? Okay, so we're looking at a number of things. One, The first one, actually I'll just read them through so we can like get it out there. They're, they're going to be looking for accuracy, your endurance, they're going to want to see that you're driven, and they're just going to want to see that you're good people in general. And we'll, we'll start with accuracy here. So like um, staff will be looking for like, did you learn correct notes? Are you using technique, like some sort of a consistent technique? And then uh, how's your timing? How are your dynamics and how are your heights? All of those are, are pretty no-brainer things. Like obviously you should learn the right notes. Obviously you should play with good time and play good heights and good dynamics. Um, when it comes to technique, read the packet. Read the packet. There's nothing more embarrassing or will make you feel more defeated than walking into an audition, practicing things the way you play to find out that that's not how that group plays. So please, when it comes to technique, make sure you read the packet. So you're saying like my, you know, a high school might use um, a certain amount of arm and then you go to Timbuktu Warriors, whatever, wherever we're auditioning and they use like way less arm or even way more arm and just reading the packet's going to make sure that you're better prepared for that. Um, you want to be able to get the packet early. As soon as you've made that decision to go audition for the Timbuktu Warriors, get their packet. See if you can find their packet from last year if their new one's not out. See if you can get yourself prepared in any sort of a way. Get in contact with the Timbuktu Warrior and see what you can learn from them. Yes. Also, start saving start saving your money up because there, most groups nowadays are uh, – you have to buy the packet. So once you've committed, once you've said, hey, I'm going here – the pricing might not change, so try to look up what there was last year or the previous year and try to save up that money. So day one, you can start – you can buy that packet and you can get to work on it. So you've got the packet. You're learning it. you got to make sure that you uh, are learning it correctly. So use a metronome. Use a metronome. Go over all the ranges of each exercise. Don't go without a metronome. Don't assume that you've got great timing. I always use a metronome when I practice. been using it for years will never just think that I'm like Dr. Beat myself. Uh, mm -hmm. Use a mirror or record yourself. Check yourself. Be your own teacher in this manner. And you will learn so much about your own playing and about your potential by doing that. Yes. I would also say slow things down to the nth degree because that will reveal everything to you. It'll, it will reveal how your muscles work. It will reveal how – like. You can get away with things timing-wise if you're playing faster. Maybe not all the notes sound the same, or maybe you're missing that one note and you just don't catch it. But when you go slow, all of those, all of those mistakes that maybe you get away with faster are like alarms going off. So I would say in addition to just using a metronome, go super slow and go super slow until you can't get it wrong super slow. Yeah, one, one, my favorite phrase – is 50 
BPM is the new 60 BPM. Like just opening it up that 10 extra clicks slower means that you're going to learn it that 10 extra clicks better. And there are some people, I, I had a student one of my first years teaching at Matrix that never practiced fast, just did everything super slow. And then we would walk in and play it and he would play it at tempo and consistent. Yeah, no. Like I, still one still to this day one of the most consistent players. I'm 100 I've about ever that. Seen. Absolutely. That's why I tell all my students if they don't even go near tempo before they reach auditions, camps, rehearsals, whatever, they're going to be more prepared learning it slow. The last thing I would I would tell people when it comes to accuracy is sweat the small stuff. Sweat the easy stuff. Okay? You for a lot of for a lot of groups, you will gain or lose a contract before you ever get to the most difficult thing in the packet. Go um, on. Because if your basics aren't good, no matter how well you think you play, you know, the double lateral ram jam, it's probably not that great. Okay. And again, it's, it's laterals are laterals. And just taking that as an example, cause that's one of the hardest things that we do as keyboard players. Well, but if you can play good doubles, whatever a double exercise is on keyboard or good double stroke roll, you can play good laterals, but sweat the small stuff. If you can't play whatever their basic legato's exercise is, well, chances are you're going to lose the contract before you ever get into green at 210 beats a minute. Yeah. Yeah. If you hear 16th note timing is not great. Nothing else will be. Correct. Moving on. Uh, the staff is definitely going to be looking at the endurance of auditionees. So mentally, physically, how can you show that you are, uh, are the Arnold Schwarzenegger of mallets and percussion? The biggest thing is just making sure that mentally you're always engaged, not making just silly mental errors, uh, not breaking. Breaking is a huge, you know, again, as a staff member of an independent group, Breaking is a huge red flag because not only does that tell me that you're not super prepared, it tells me your level of acceptability in terms of errors. Yeah, that they're just not engaged. Correct. Uh, You want to make sure that you're maintaining eye contact with staff. That's like just super respectful in a way to show that you're paying attention. And then follow instructions and comments. Um, So that's like what the staff's looking for. As a player, you can prepare for this because you kind of have to get yourself ready for this sort of a scenario when you're just sitting there at your board by yourself practicing. Um, uh, and hold so number one, hold a high standard for yourself. Set your goals before you go into it. Say I, I'm going to rep the C green scale and I want to do it two or three times at whatever tempo. As soon as you get there in front of your board, prepare yourself by mentally being in a rehearsal. Don't allow yourself to break. Think ahead, have focus, and attack it with energy just like you would in a rehearsal or a performance. Yeah, that's a spot where if you know, if you read the packet and you know that uh, the group that you're auditioning for is more of a watch-based group, that's where using a mirror is huge because you can practice looking into yourself if they do a lot of the like the look-in, check-in, watch-based stuff. Using a mirror is huge there. Teaching yourself how to practice in the style that they're, they are going to want to see you practicing is huge. The other thing is practice for long periods of time. 
when we talk about endurance being both physical and mental, just being able to physically play for a long time is good, but being able to think for a long time is good. Most of us outside of, if we've never done indoor or drum corps before, our longest days are, you know, our nine to nine band camp. And that's usually with an hour for lunch, an hour for game time, an hour for dinner, you know, 30 minutes for the popsicle break. Oh my gosh. You know, and then, and then, <laughs> and block. then yeah, nap block. And then, you know, our wrap up game, our shaving cream fight at the end of the day, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Hey, I've, I've taught a band camp where that happened. Yeah. Um, but it's not like a drum corps camp where, you know, once you get into the later ones, you're up at, you're up at eight or nine doing PT for half hour, hour, then you're playing for three or four hours. Then you get an hour for lunch, playing for three or four more hours. You get an hour for dinner. Then you get another three hour block at the end of the day where they expect you to go all the way until the last rep. They expect you to be playing all the way until nine, 10, 11 o'clock, whenever that camp ends. So just making sure that you're playing for long periods of time is helpful. Over-prepare. Over-prepare. You know, expect yourself to be able to play, uh, you know, like 100 reps on end, or at least it'll feel that way. Challenge yourself with that. See if you can do your double vertical exercise for 20 minutes straight without pause, without break. The other thing is switch up your practice routine every once in a while. You know, get up really early in the morning and practice a little bit, even if it's got to be quiet on like a pad or a floor floor space type deal. Uh, But wake up early and expect yourself to be great right away. You know, practice really late at night. Orchestral players do it all the time where it's like, all right, can I get out of bed, play this rep of Porgy, and then go back to sleep, you know? (laughs) But but as drum drum corps or indoor kids – I don't think we always think of that, but, and I don't think we need to take it to that extreme because again, we don't, we get more than just one shot to prove ourselves in a weekend camp, but it definitely, definitely preparing yourself to be great at any point in time and under any circumstance, you know, like, can you be great when you're not feeling well? Talk, we talk about, have to, we talk about endurance being physical and mental, but also emotional. You know, if you're going to a camp and it's your first time away from home for three days, that's emotionally, that's emotionally something that, you know, which if anything, going to camps prepares you for going to camps, just, you know, like bringing it back. Like you said earlier, go, you got to go so that you can get the experience and even take the chance. One more thing in terms of endurance and, and more mental than anything is just breathe. When you get there, breathe. Realize that everyone is nervous. Everyone's excited. Everyone is going through the same feelings that you are. So just breathe, digest those feelings. And again, understand that the staff and the group is rooting for you. They they want you to make it. They want you to do your best. They're not out to get you. And you've got to, you've got to take a deep breath as hard as it is. You've got to take a deep breath and then exhale and realize that you just got to go there and be the very best version of you as a player and as a person that you can be. Not the best nervous wreck version of you. Correct. Uh, the third thing on our list of what a staff member is going to be looking for is, is the auditioning driven? 
Is the auditionee willing to adapt? Is the auditionee willing to overcome those emotional discomforts, whatever, in order to be successful behind the board? One tactic that I approach for this is I use a checklist. And in your checklist, you've got a number of things that you're thinking about. Immediately, as soon as a staff member gives you a comment, that comment goes on your checklist. So you're playing C green, and they say, your three inches are too high. That means that you think to yourself, my three inches are too high, they need to be lower. And you do that not just once, but over and over and over again. You always go back to the checklist. Then the next comment you get is that your fulcrum's messed up and you got to make sure that you're holding the mallet different. Now you have not only the fulcrum on your checklist, but you're still thinking about your three inches also. The checklist is accumulative and it's something that you constantly are rotating through mentally in order to take in all of those staff comments. I would tag along to that uh, with the checklist thing because I love and use the checklist for myself as well. But as you get comments, those comments need to go to the top of your checklist, not just anywhere, but the top of it, because I can tell you this as a staff member, that's the thing I'm looking for. Yeah. If I tell you to fix this, I'm going to watch to make sure you fix that or, or are taking the steps necessary to fix that. If you're like, yeah, got it. And you go back to thinking about whatever, you know, your, your how you're, second pinky finger is not tight enough on the stick. I, I, I don't care about your second pinky finger. I care about like, is your fulcrum right? You know? So make sure that when you get a comment, it goes right to the top of the list. And then when you get a comment, do everything in your power to make sure that you don't take that sec, that same comment from a staff member twice. Okay. Because that puts up a big red flag for us in terms of, okay, I gave this kid this, this, this correction once, and we're never going to give you the same correction the, the very next rep unless it's like, all right, you did that well, but continue to think about this. You, you made strides, but now think about this. We'll give you a second to think about it, to try to fix it. And then if you take that comment again, okay, it, what that shows is, that maybe you're not ready to make that adjustment. Or, or okay. you're just like not mentally focused or something like, like you're just not listening. I think yes. it's, a, it's a really big thing that I see students do to have their own priorities ahead of whatever the staff member is saying. And it's, it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it that you're struggling with like, you know, I don't know the way that your knee is bent right now, but I need you to fix your technique <laughs> in your hands, you know? And oftentimes you'll, you'll see them prioritizing their own, concerns over the the most recent comment the staff has given them absolutely be flexible in approach so just because your high school your previous group learned the technique one way you can go to a different group and suddenly you're holding the sticks or mallets in a totally different manner and be willing to learn that be willing to make those changes show that you're driven for that group or staff member yeah, flexibility and ability to change are are just a huge part of the audition process uh, because unless you're marching for the same people your entire marching career, no two places play the same. Yeah, a C is a C on every single keyboard, but you know the amount of arm a, a group uses, the amount of velocity a group uses, the amount of weight a group uses, those are all different and how everybody approaches it is different and, and realize that just because something is different doesn't make it wrong. It just, it's how that group 
chooses to achieve the sound that that group is looking for. And just because that is how that group wants to sound, again, doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just that group's identity. So you're at an audition. Odds are they've only got the amount of boards for players that they're going to place. Uh, say that you're not. You're taking turns in and out of being on a keyboard. What should you do in that time that you're not behind a board? Fold up a blanket and keep playing. Like this on. is one of my favorite things to see in an audition setting is who is trying to learn even when they're not on a keyboard. So we always encourage people like fold a blanket up, put a cover on the ground, grab the mallets, play along with us, ask questions. If there's multiple staff members in a room, chances are one staff member is focusing on the people, not on the keyboard and maybe not going around and giving them commentary, but watching to see who's engaged and who's not engaged when it's not their time to step up and shine on a keyboard. All right. So I would tell you, get mallets, play on the floor. Do not, under any circumstances, just sit and wait for a keyboard spot to open up. And then another way of showing that you're driven is to ask questions. It shows that you're engaged and that you're really trying to learn. Um, you have a, you're, you're confused about a rep? Ask. You're confused about how to make a certain comment happen? Ask that question. But beyond questions, be sure to reference the vet players or the more experienced players in the room. If you can determine who the center is or who the most experienced vet is, and if you can just copy them using your eyes, using your ears, you're going to be able to learn a lot faster. Absolutely. I uh, I talked with a buddy of mine who, who marched at uh, a couple of top-end world-class groups and said he the, big, the biggest way he learned to play clean – was to literally just try to mimic the center. Watch exactly what he did and not not worry about staff commentary, but just match exactly what he did, match his bar placement, match everything that the center was doing, and do that exactly the same. How you he bring said, your sticks up. That's the way he learned to play clean. Yep, how you bring your sticks up, how you stand, feet together, feet apart, you know, the way, where your nose is pointed. Absolutely. All of that. The matters. last thing I would say with all of this is make sure that you're always engaged. Okay. Nothing as a staff member is a bigger uh, is a bigger turnoff for a kid than seeing them not looking at who's speaking. Okay. I hate that. If you're if you're there, if you spent the money to go to that camp, like get everything you can out of that camp. Just because somebody didn't make a comment to you about something doesn't mean that you don't need that comment. It means they just weren't. They were looking at somebody else. And you can go, okay, I can use that. The, one of the things that I love to see young players do is just assume that they have to fix whatever was said, even if it wasn't said to them, versus like, oh, they didn't say it to me, so I must be right. Well, no, there's always going to be more members or more auditionees than there are staff members, always. Moving beyond uh, your accuracy, your endurance, and just demonstrating how driven you are as a player, you got to be good people. You want to make sure that you've got you're teachable, that you've got a wonderful personality, and that you've got a good character. Don't be don't be afraid to put yourself out there and make yourself stand out by volunteering. A lot of times, people uh, if you get there early enough, they're going to need help setting up. 
Go ahead and help them set up. Okay, help them ask, carry something. Help a staff member carry something. Ask what you can do to help. Absolutely. Meet new people. Introduce yourselves to people that either look like vets or look like they're new. Doesn't matter. Uh, you, I, I met people at, in 2008 during my first audition clinic that I didn't see or talk to again until suddenly my age out year of drum corps and I was marching with them and sitting next to them on the bus, whatever. Talk to everybody that you can. Yeah. Lastly, just make sure you're doing everything to present yourself well. How do you stand? Do you stand with good posture? Do you stand slumped over? Do you speak clearly and concisely? Do you smile and say hi to people or do you just put your head down and be frumpy and grumpy? Do you You smell good? What's that? Do you smell good? Yeah. Shower. (laughs) Yeah. Good hygiene. Do people want to be around you? Please shower. (laughs) Especially at drum corps camps. And be confident. Be confident. There's nothing that says that you will pull it off more so than your body language. And there is nothing that says you won't pull it off more so than your body language. So your body language is so, so, so important when you're comfortable and when you're uncomfortable in, in terms of what you can play if you're comfortable playing something and you're uncomfortable playing something. So the last part that we wanted to talk about was video auditions. Obs, if you're living real far away from your dream group, you may opt for the ability to send in a video and hope that the staff would love you that way. What do you, what do you have for this one, Ryan? What do you think? How can you up your chances uh, that, and by video lesson, by video audition? So the biggest thing with a video audition is to make sure that you're always showing your best foot forward. Okay, With a video, you can record yourself multiple times and as many times as you want. As a staff member, what can we take away from a video is that that is the best you are capable of. That is 100% maxed out the best you can do something. So if you send in a video where you're like, not super thrilled with how you play. You're like, oh, this is good enough, that kind of thing. That is all the staff has to judge you on. So if you send in a video that you're unhappy with, you need to be prepared for un- results that you're not happy with. Hmm. And and if you send in an amazing video, you should you should expect good feedback. Does that mean does that mean you'll get offered a contract? No, not necessarily. Most groups don't offer contracts off of video auditions because they want to see how you react to things in real life. But the feedback you will get will not be will not be generic like watch your fulcrum, make sure you play in time, do this, do that. It'll be the staff member will want to dive in and give you information that is better if they see that you're maxed out and playing at a high level versus you just sent you know, whatever video you had laying around that was kind of good-ish. The biggest thing to take away from all this is don't cut yourself before you before you give yourself a chance. Go to the audition. You know, it's totally worth it. Groups treat their auditions. Most groups treat their auditions like clinics. And we are students of this activity. So the best thing you can do is be a student and go learn. And again, it's it's heart wrenching uh, as a student to get told that you're you're 
not going to be offered a position. It's also heart-wrenching for staff members to not be able to offer you positions. Um, it's not Auditions are never easy for anybody. Just remember that we don't, we don't enjoy cutting people just like people don't enjoy being told they're not going to be part of a program. But we're all in this to learn, and we're all in this to help each other out. So just take advantage of that. So that's all we got for you. So addressing our listeners, what are some things that you guys do to cope with auditions? What are some ways that you get rid of your audition nerves and tips and tricks that you find bring you success when you're going to camps or auditioning? Staff members, did we forget anything? We'd love to hear from you guys. Give us a message. Let us know what you think. Do you have any crazy audition stories? We would love to talk about it on our next episode. We'll see you all next time. On the Frontier.